0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Totem's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Got a lot to react to as last night he had UFC 262. That was coming to you live from Houston, Texas. We have a new lightweight champion of the world as Charles Dubronx Oliver put away Michael Chandler in the second round, knocked him out in the 19-second mark of round two. He gets the uh, the gold wrapped around his waist. Really, really cool moment for Charles, man. Um, I mean, he just, it was, it was uh, as pure of joy I could just see a guy winning, like, uh, you know, I was there live when when Rose won a couple of weeks ago and she was you know kind of beside herself and obviously was crying. you could see she was overwhelmed with emotion, and meaning but it was also her second belt you know it was a huge comeback um, from her career to to get the belt wrapped around her waist with Charles it was just like, you know, you think of a 20 year old kid who has had a decade long journey to get to this mountaintop and you could just see. How much that that ride meant to him to get all the way to the top and beat Michael Chandler and really what was a a huge comeback for him because it was not looking good in that first round. Um, it was a it was a it was a, a big you know back and forth affair. Michael got him early with some good shots, really blasted him, um, cut him open early and you saw michael chandler michael chandler really pulled a move where he was going to go for the submission on a an absolute boa constrictor in charles Oliveira. so it was a bit of a gutsy move i, I really thought that michael chandler i think when he looks back on this fight is going to have a couple of uh moments of regret and you know that's that's kind of what you love about him as a fighter we had him on this week on the morning show and um you know, I had picked last week. I had picked Charles Oliveira to win this fight. And simply a lot of, of what I thought what ended up happening was was somewhat to the level of what I thought was going to happen. Like I thought that just Michael Chandler's aggression was going to end up costing him. But it really, you know, it wasn't like he slipped up and ended up in, uh, in a submission. Hold. That actually it did almost happen in the first round. But this was more of a case of I think Mike got a little bit too cocky with a couple of things i thought they got a little bit too cocky with the end of that first round and thought he got a little bit too too cute and, and then uh just you know kind of fell asleep at the wheel and got hit with a monster left hook that sat him on his on his butt and um you know charles kind of handled it all from there but from from the standpoint of you know maybe not going for that submission hold on Charles, knowing that that's going to put you in a bad spot because you did sit him down so early and you did have that that big advantage seemingly in the first round. Um, and, and then also I think him going uh, to the end of the first round, you know, really trying to ride it out by going somewhere with ground and pound. I felt like he probably should have, and even DC said this at one point, maybe even let him back up because he could have finished the job. But look, that's all... That's all well and good to say right now because the fight's over, and Charles Oliveira is the one with the gold wrapped around his waist. Uh, he's uh he's an absolute savage, and you know, just uh, it does seemingly look like you know, a 31 years old, does seem look like he's getting uh, better. It is handling adversity so so well, and uh, it, I feel good for him getting to this uh, to this to this mountaintop. You know, I uh, I had problems with this being the championship fight from the standpoint of a guy like Michael Chandler having the opportunity to fight for the undisputed quote-unquote uh, lightweight championship and not a guy like Dustin Poirier who would you know put so many blood sweat and tears and they're basically make him pick a paycheck over the championship but you feel better about a guy like Charles Oliveira at least end of the night with it wrapped around his waist just because you know he had been in the division for so much longer and it's not that Mike you know, becoming champion is a bad thing because you know, and, and people know, and uh, how 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 much he's meant to the sport and how much he's put into Bellator and all that type of stuff. But it just wouldn't feel right. Like it's like it's like you have this division that's been full of killers. Um, that's kind of in this in this weird era right now of of new like a, a little bit of a new era coming with Charles being on top. Dustin uh, and Connor kind of fighting out who's going to get the shot at the belt next. Khabib being gone. Um, it would have felt weird if the guy from Bellator, who one of the reasons he didn't come over was because, you know, this was kind of held up with the khabib Connor show for so long. If he would have just kind of waltzed in and became Jimmy. Listen, he almost did. He is certainly good enough. I just think it would have been a weird uh, timeline. I think he'll be back. I think he's got the the skill set. Um you know, but Iron Michael Chandler. Listen, he's a wild man, and he goes in there and and he tries to do some wild things, and you know that's why he's been you know has has, has also suffered some some uh, pretty brutal knockouts and, and knockout losses. But uh, I do think he's going to look back on this fight and and think about what could have been. And then on the other side of it, you look like a guy like Charles, um, doing all that he did, not doing being through everything that he had been through. Uh, it almost felt like it was like, oh man, all the stuff that he had gone through in his career to get to this point, he wasn't going to let slip up. Like he, uh, you let him off the hook at the end of that first round. It felt like, and that was a bad mistake. And for for Charles, he gets to reap the benefits. He's now the king of this division, the uh, the real crown jewel division for a long time in the UFC. Huge for Brazil. I'm sure they're they're pumped up having you know. Davidson Figueiredo and and obviously having you know Amanda Nunes represent their country, but you know being back on top of a division like this uh has to be uh, absolutely absolutely huge to them. And, and it was a good night for Brazil, quite frankly, um for for a lot of factors. It really really was. For and you know a lot of people were saying, "Oh, is Brazil done? Is are the best days of Brazilian MMA behind us?" Um, not after tonight for sure. Not after tonight for sure. So great for uh, great for Charles Oliveira, and this is interesting, man. Like how this is going to play out between you know him taking on the winner Dustin and Connor. Uh, you know he's just he looks like he's just got so many tools to go into the toolbox, and 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 Mike hits hard. You know, like you know if you're gonna have the questions of what kind of power can he stand up? Could he stand up to Connor's power? Look, he took on a powerful dude tonight, Michael Chandler, and 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 looked like he was in a lot of danger. Maybe Connor thinks, oh, I can knock that guy dead. Maybe, but we haven't really seen that that Connor magic in a long, long time. And then uh, with Dustin, you know, Dustin's a little bit more, I think, savvy than Mike is. So if he has some of those problems on the feet, um, where where Michael I think is a little bit of a a, a one hit bomber. Dustin really really can go to war with guys and can really be crisp and he does um have all those skill sets. He's just a, I think a little bit more well-rounded of a fighter than Michael Chandler is. So, I think that whoever comes out on top of this July fight, Charles Oliver is going to have his his uh, his hands full with a tough tough challenge on, you know, who who's going to be the man, who's going to be the guy who really um challenges him for this belt and this division. And then, you know, you can look to guys like, uh, you know, Justin Gaethje getting back in the mix and all that type of stuff as well. So, uh, huge, huge performance from him. And he just – the way he was hugging the belt was just so cool because it, you just don't see that joy, man. You don't see that that unbridled enthusiasm, uh, especially because, you know, we, we look back at the last card and, um, you know, we saw – two champs right now and and Usman and and Valentina Shevchenko. they've been reigning for a while. Rose has been there before. You know, those those moments though where you get that first belt, that first taste of wrapping the championship around your waist is special. It's special. And 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 and, and you really those are the moments that you, you kind of live for as a fan to see those guys complete their journey. And and that's why they always say like, you know, a lot of fighters will say when they're champion it's tough to to keep the hunger, to keep the rain going and keeping it going long, because it's never going to be quite as good as that first, first taste of having it wrapped around your waist. So it looked, this is, uh, this guy, um, it, it it's a, it, it, even though it's not exactly the fight I wanted to ring in the new UFC, I thought Dustin deserved that more than anybody else. Um, uh, you see how much, how much it meant to a guy like Charles Oliver and he's a, he's, he's a good guy to wear the crown right now. And obviously uh, it'll be settled, you know, well, uh, I'd imagine it'll be settled by the end of the year, you know, well, uh, if all health goes correctly and we have Dustin and Connor uh, taking each other on in a little bit's time uh, in July, we'll, uh, we'll have a champ right after that. So, this is uh this is gonna be a, a fun fun matchup for I think the fans whoever comes out on top I think uh, you know Connor also having the uh, the former beef with uh, with Brazil and uh, and Charles with versus Dustin I just think it's kind of like the all world the all winners club like those guys have just been so dominant in this lightweight division I think that's as pure as it gets you have Dustin who's the best boxer on the planet uh the best the uh, the best boxer mixed martial arts i think it has to offer on the planet and then um and then charles who just really i think showed tonight is i don't want to say has no weaknesses because certainly he was in some very very vulnerable spots but just has the the mental fortitude and the capability to keep going and to keep doing some great stuff so from his standpoint even with him uh facing that adversity it just uh it just showed that he was able to to whether like a guy who had been in the UFC for a decade and been in some bad spots, and they were talking about, oh, what is he going to do? What is he going to do when this type is up? And can't respond much better than that, man. And we're talking about, you know, he was he was gashed open from this fight from basically the beginning. Um, you know, Chandler busted him open, rocked him, and kind of ended up in a in a favorable position because, you know, Michael Chandler was going for this uh for this guillotine didn't go for it you know all the way didn't feel like he had a great spot in it and ended up giving his backup to, to Charles Oliveira that's obviously a terrible spot and then you had to be impressed with the way Michael Chandler popped up just like I was out of nothing like out of nowhere because a lot of guys will kind of just ride those three minutes out and he wasn't willing to do that and then put Charles Oliveira in even worse spot because you got to feel like oh we're back on our feet and uh and all of a sudden we're in a we're we're in this very, very uh bad situation. Um but then after he got dropped again, I thought that's really where where Chandler messed up. And 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 Charles Oliveira made him pay dearly, dearly in that second round. And is now champ, man. Is now champ. As far as Chandler, like where does he go from here? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of good fights, you know, Michael versus Tony, Michael versus Justin Gaethje. you know, maybe Michael versus Benil shaft tonight. Uh, we'll get into some of the Tony fight coming up and, and where things stand with uh, with Al-Kakoui and where they stand with Benel Daryush. But but look, he uh, he's made a name for himself. Uh, I think he's certainly shown himself to be a marketable fighter. He's not a boring fighter by any means. Um, so I think he can get right back in the mix. Him saying that he's going to be champion in 12 months, I think that's going to be tough because obviously the winner of July's fight, I think, stands to go and fight for the belt. Um, but... Nonetheless, a, a really, really great, uh, a really great performance from Charles and, and and Mike was right there, man. Mike was right there. He had his chances. It's just that he uh, he got, I thought, a little, little too cute when he he had this fight in a very good spot, teed up for him to go win it. We'll take a quick break. We'll get into the rest of UFC 262 on the other side. We're back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on Seven Eyes. The ticket recap in UFC 262. Last night in Houston, Texas. I got to say, Texas did all right. A little bit uh, more spoiled than the Jacksonville card. Now, granted, the Jacksonville card, I would say, was way better than this. Uh, Not only just from a a lineup standpoint, but just from a finish standpoint. But I will say, uh, I just thought that uh, Jacksonville was just even uh, more electric than what Houston brought to the table. Though Houston had its moments, they were hot for Tony Ferguson. They loved Tony. Um, and obviously that, that I kind of think kind of probably swung with where things could have gone for the night because, uh, we talked about, uh, we talked about what went down in the, in the first fight in the first segment. But the the thing that's interesting about the co-main event is, you know, Tony kind of was going through all the traditional stuff of, Hey, I got a new camp brought in Freddie Roach. And by the way, listen, let me tell you something as a guy who I love Freddie Roach, okay? Manny Pacquiao, Freddie Roach, those are my guys. I love Manny. Uh, big respect for them and all that type of stuff. But, but, um, this is what I got to say. You go and get the Freddie Roach thing. It's not always like the greatest. Um, It's like the classic thing of a guy who just wants to fix him. Oh, I want work with Freddie Roach. The Freddie Roach dynamic with Manny Pacquiao does not necessarily mean that Pixie Dust is going to just, you know, sprinkle onto you and it's going to be fantastic. Like the last guy I think it worked out for was like uh, Tyson Fury worked with Freddie Roach a little bit with uh, when he had Ben Davidson as his trainer. Now he's got Sugar Hill Stewart and is training down here and all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, I don't always like go crazy. People, oh, it's like the Freddie Roach card is like the most overplayed. I got to get a new car smell uh on my on my career so i go to freddie they, ben Ben askren even tried that like he was getting ready for the jig ball oh, i'm working with freddie roach so i just feel like that card is like one of the most overplayed in combat sports now not just boxing but now in combat sports but um you know look this was um interesting from a couple of things with tony and 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 you know people want to say hey you know give the credit to Benil, and, and yeah Good for Benil. He gets the shutout win. He wins 30-27 on all scorecards. Seems like a nice dude. Seems super, super likable. You know, was going to go and spend, you know, the time with his daughter and all that type of stuff. Great, great. Good for him. Um, but it's tough not to have the focus of, hey, this is the guy everybody thought was going to be Khabib. This is the guy, the uncrowned champion, and now he's 0-3. And seems like he can't get the magic back. Um, I think it goes to a couple of things, and I think DC actually made a really great point. It's just you just never know when it feels like it's going to just completely slip downhill as far as age is concerned. And I really do feel like Justin Gaethje broke Tony Ferguson in a way that I don't know if he can get it back. You know, we just sometimes we see these fights and guys just. Aren't the same, you know. We always think in mixed martial arts that the guys can have their comeback and the guys can always have their their opportunity to uh, to make good. But sometimes guys just go down the slippery, slippery slope. And you know, he mentioned a couple of examples today with Tyron Woodley. Look at the slip that Tyron Woodley had. You know, this guy was uh, a, a fear champion at 170. Also, could just figure out the Rubik's cube to go win, just win at all costs. Um, and then it's just over. Like one day he gets into the into the cage with a absolute beast in Kamaru Usman, and he just you know then he can't he can't win a round. And now Tony, it sucks because his his chance at all this type of stuff, the Khabib fight it really got taken from him because of the pandemic. We never got the fight. It was cursed. And it's one of the great, I think, you know, people are going to go back and they're going to say, Oh, well clearly Khabib never, you know, he never could have gotten. Khabib." I'm not going to subscribe to that just because he's now at 37 years old, looking like a 37 year old fighter. Um, when this guy was at his absolute best, I truly believe that this guy could have given Khabib a run for his money. I really, really believe that. Um, he just having to be now he's at an age now. I don't think that obviously, I think he looks like a guy who's a little bit weathered, a little bit haggard. Um, but it's crazy how quick it goes. And, and, and you think about, he had the Khabib fight. Then he had the Justin fight. Then the fight got canceled. He cut weight anyway, for no reason. And maybe that took a lot out of him going to that Justin Gaethje fight. He got beat up badly. Um, And now he had two fights against Charles Oliveira, which, look, it doesn't look like a knock to lose to Charles Oliveira. The guy's now champion of the world. And losing to a guy like Benil Darius. He looks like, you know, potentially a top five contender. But when you're talking about a guy that we thought was the uncrowned king, the guy who had the insane win streak, 12 wins in a row, beating all the monsters, just never, you know, uh, had some poor luck of tripping over some cable wires or, Khabib getting too fat, or any of these types of things that went went against him, and now it just feels so far, far away. And you think like some of the examples that he mentioned: Cowboy Cerrone, Tyrone Woodley, uh, Jacare, uh, And you think uh, I actually, you know, DC mentioned Tyrone Woodley and Jacare, but you think about a guy like Cowboy Cerrone, like just you know, it wasn't that far ago where it was like Cowboy resurgence at one seventy, Papa Cowboy, and then all of a sudden it's just like. He, you know, these guys who are the faces of the UFC, they don't even feel close anymore. You know, they feel like Tony doesn't feel close anymore. He feels like a guy at 37 years old who uh, he's gone from contender to now seemingly gatekeeper. I don't know really where he goes from here. Like I mentioned, maybe, you know, maybe he fights Michael Chandler. And, you know, that's kind of a, hey, this is your one last ticket back in. Um, but even for, I don't even know if Michael wants that because I don't even know what that means anymore. You just talk about a guy in Tony who hasn't won a round in a year and a half. And so, what does it do for him? You know, does he, you know, does he go up to 170? Like, that's kind of like the last classic, hey, you know, maybe a 37 years old, the weight cut is too much, but, you know, he's getting ragdolled like this at 155. Like, I'd, I'd hate to see what happens at, at, uh, at 170 to him. And the other thing is, um, You know, this used to be a place where you know Tony on his back was so dangerous. Tony on his back was a place where um, guys didn't want to be there, you know, because he could slip something. And, and even then, he kind of just looked like a a little bit of a fish out of water today. Like he uh, is usually a guy who thrives being uncomfortable. And I mean, hell, look, he still got his knee twisted nearly off. And uh, and still fought around on it, so you got to give him credit for that for toughness, and that's and that's kind of where with Benil, um, you give him credit because he got a shutout win over an obvious dangerous guy and Tony Ferguson, and and standing with Tony Ferguson, if you don't have to stand with Tony Ferguson, I I, I get I get you, but everybody kind of went into this with like, oh Benil is striking is amazing, this is going to be absolute fireworks, it's going to be fight of the night, and it. Really like Benio wasn't gonna have that. Like he really went the safe route to go and beat Tony Ferguson. And look, credit to him. You know he saw a blueprint, especially rolled out there by Charles Oliveira, to go and uh, find a way to do that. But it wasn't the most. It definitely wasn't the most entertaining, uh, entertaining fight. That's for sure. For for what everybody thought was gonna be a fight of the night, Edson Barboza versus Shane Burgos. Now that was a fight of the night. That thing was absolutely crazy with the way those guys went at it. Edson Barboza knocked out Shane Shane Burgos. And I, what could only be described as is like he hit him with this monster right hook. And it's like you ever see like the scene of a movie where like the bad guy gets shot in the stomach but doesn't realize it? Like he, like he's in a standoff with like the good guy, right? Uh and bang bang. Like some some bolts go off and like you kinda just see what the old guy with the bad guy, like the eyes, you know, they'll do the classic shot of the guy looking into the, uh, the camera. And then all of a sudden he'll realize, and then like, then they'll pan down to the gut and it's bleeding. And he just gracefully goes down. He dies. That's kind of what it was with Shane Burgos got hit. It's like he got hit and he's staring at Edson Barboza. And then all of a sudden it's just like, wilts back into the cage and it's over. And it was crazy. It was a crazy back and forth, you know, like, uh Edson was hitting with some crazy kicks he was doing the uh the calf kick uh shit uh sh- split his shin open so he was bleeding there um they were both taking some really really hard shots Shane Burgos was hitting him with some big body shots in the in the in the uh in the uh, in the, uh, in, the, uh in, the, in the in the in the prior rounds it was just it was just a really really good fight back and forth Edson was unloading he was bringing the wheel kicks out Hit him with a wheel kick to the face. Hit him with a spinning back kick. Um, You know, and and Shane was just trying to weather the storm. Bob and Weave hit him with the jab. It was, uh, I mean, it was a really, really fun fight between those guys. Really, really fun. Um, And then the way that it ended was just so nuts because, you know, you thought Shane, who was got this just iron will, took a shot. And then was going to keep coming forward. And he just, I don't know, just the lights, like the lights flickered and then the lights went out. It was such a, I, I, I don't recall seeing a, a knockout reaction like that. It was so odd. And so uh, Edson ended up getting the win. Good for him as far as that's concerned. That did end up, by the way, getting, uh, it did end up getting fight of the night. which fight. And this sucks for Tony because Tony, this was his baby. Uh, they ended up boosting the bonuses to seventy-five grand apiece, so Edson and Shane each got seventy-five k uh, for their fights. side. Charles Oliveira got seventy-five thousand, and Christos Giagos uh, got uh, seventy-five thousand as well. So the whole purse was up from two hundred grand bonus money to three hundred grand bonus money, and uh, it sucks for Tony that that's uh, that's not coming his way. Um, uh, oh, this one I, I got to mention from the from the feature prelims a couple of things to mention. One, Lando Venata getting the win over Mike Grundy. Um, one had a 30-27 uh, going Grundy's way. I, this was really uh, a thing of the night where people were getting upset with the judges because um, I don't know how you have Venata losing every one of those rounds. I don't really know how you have him losing two rounds. And so Grundy getting a 30-27 a, a his way was was pretty atrocious. So people were talking about Texas the entire way through. There was some talk about this, about the, uh, the, the Caitlin Chikagan card. I thought Caitlin had an argument for, uh, Viviani, uh, Arugio. Like I thought that she was, uh, I, I definitely think that she was probably favored to win that two one. I thought that that's the way it was going to get read, but seeing as the fight was kind of turning in that second round. And then the third round was no doubt Chikagan's round. I don't want as big a problem with that. As I do with uh, the the Vanada Grundy scorecard, but Vanada got the nods, so thankfully. But it was uh, it wasn't a great night for Texas judges. But um, yeah, the one that really has to be mentioned is Andre Muniz, uh getting a a win over Jacare. Broke his arm, like got him into a, uh, an armbar submission and just snapped that thing. And it was pretty crazy because like. You don't, you know, we've we've talked so much about the sound of the crowd and 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 being able to hear everything from from a vice. Look, this was a fully packed house in Houston. You know, people going crazy. Derek Lewis is there. Football players. Everybody's there to 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 go and watch the card. But you still could hear the snap in Jacare in, in his arm that that Muniz put in, into him, and so it was pretty gruesome it was pretty gruesome not only did you see the break but you could hear the break and it was really really brutal from that standpoint being able to uh to hear something like that but and not only you know to get a win like that over over Ray, but to do it like that in such a brutal brutal fashion uh certainly said something from uh from that regard and what these guys were able to uh to do to each other so overall ufc 262 was um pretty average night i didn't think it was uh i didn't think it was a fantastic night of fights as far as like the whole now mind you, they did lose jacker manson edmund shabazi and i was really looking forward to that card that got kicked punted to next week on the rob font cody garbrandt card so it didn't have its full arsenal with it and i think some of the uh some of the uh the some of the card was lagging especially that uh uh bontarine versus schnell card it was a good fight but definitely not like one i was like oh my god i can't believe that this is on the pay-per-view um so it was like one of those things it felt like eric spolstra like you lose jimmy butler for a game and hey, we're gonna start be instead of uh going to maybe a better fight maybe putting vanada onto the uh onto the pay-per-view card Uh, hey, we have our two big cards here and i think that You know, losing a a fight like that, and then you think, oh, well, for sure, Tony and Benil is going to be a great fight. Um, And it wasn't. And so it probably ended up a little bit more lackluster, mostly because also the guy who got the biggest pop of the night was for sure Tony Ferguson. And he had the most lackluster performance. So I think that probably killed a little bit of the buzz on this thing as well. We'll take a quick break. Got to get into a little bit of box news, and we'll wrap things up on Tony's Fight Show coming up after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on Seven Take a Thank you for tuning in. We've been recapping UFC two sixty two. Couple of notes from the post game. I actually want to get into this. So this is interesting. So Dana White um, he reaffirms Derek Lewis. He's going to be fighting Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight title. They still are on this standoff with John Bones Jones. Uh, can't come to an agreement as far as salary is concerned there, which is a huge bummer. Um, you know, I don't know if they're waiting for Vegas to open up, and and they could just make it a monster there. But I am, I'm uh, just bummed out that they can't uh, they can't come to terms on that one, just because it's it's so obviously the biggest fight in UFC right now by a long shot. I really don't even think. I I really think that if you uh, if if in a weird world, in a weird a weird universe where Dana White could put on John Jones versus Francis Nganu and Conor McGregor versus whomever even if it was against Khabib I honestly maybe Khabib maybe Khabib the one that will trounce it but just because of the bad blood but I really think that even any counter fight right now would get outsold uh, by 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 this fight I think it's I just think it's a, a must make but instead they're going to go with Derek Lewis versus Francis Gano. can't say that I'm surprised no Francis wants to stay active as well and who knows you know John has been doing this whole wanting to get his body to a perfect uh Perfect place. So, no, uh, no heavyweight title with them. Instead, it's going to be Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou, which is, in all honesty, I think is an interesting fight because the first fight sucked. Uh, Francis seemed to have some like PTSD from the Stipe fight, and so what? Francis Ngannou, are we going to get the the Francis Ngannou who's just been mauling everybody, and now he gets in there with Derek Lewis and and, and, and gets those paws on him and puts him out. You know, are we going to get the the fight that we really hope? Like, look, if you tell me that these guys are going to fight again, am I still going to be excited? Of course. But we can't forget that it was one of the worst fights you'll ever see the last time. And so we all had that anticipation once before. I think the fact that there is a title on the line this one, you, you figure that the both uh, both gentlemen would be a little bit more geeked up for it. Dana also had an interesting thing um, about the, the guys from Triller not leaving them alone. And that uh, brings me to an interesting story. There's apparently, according to Oscar De La Hoya, they've been trying to make GSP versus Oscar De La Hoya in a boxing match. The guy's at triller, and there were some talks of uh, them of, of Oscar making this comeback with Triller, and that he was uh, going to fight Eddie Alvarez. That was the name that we had heard. But then apparently, it had uh, they they've been trying to get GSP. And that the UFC wouldn't give the uh, the okay on it. And that uh this thriller guy, Ryan Kavanaugh, has been calling Dana nonstop. There's even uh, the guy even claims that Dana White was trying to uh get Jake Paul some fights in the UFC, which that's that's kind of interesting. Which you did notice, Dana was being I think a little bit uh a little bit nicer to Jake Paul, or just saying, Oh, the kid's making money, the kid's on a hot streak right now and all that type of stuff, so I found that uh I found that pretty interesting that Triller and Dana White have the standoff. Now I'm not surprised they didn't give the GSP okay, especially for an Oscar de La Hoya fight, because Dana White hates Oscar De La Hoya's guts. If it was maybe against anybody else, maybe Dana's a little bit more lenient. Seems a little bit weird that he would let uh Ben Askren go off and get his ass kicked by Jake Paul, but he won't let GSP go fight Oscar de La Hoya. That seems a little bit strange to me. But maybe he doesn't want to, you know, you know Triller's having success, and maybe he uh, doesn't want to put another pay-per-view monster out there. So uh, that's an interesting one. On the heels of that, Triller announced this week that George Cambosis Jr. versus Fima Lopez, this is kind of their dip into legitimate boxing. They have the lightweight championship of the world It's taking place down here. But um, for the longest, we thought it was going to be on June 5th. There's been a couple of developments. One, obviously, we know about the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight. Uh, told you guys all about that last week, where you know I was in the midst of the whole the whole melee thing. So if you missed that, go back and uh, listen to last week's podcast. And there's a whole description of what went on there. But it's a little bit weird that it was going to be on June 6th. They weren't going to put on the same day, June 5th. They were put on June 6th in the same city where this thriller title fight between George Cambosis Jr. and Tiafimo Lopez, depending his belts, was going to go on. It was a little bit strange. And we got announced this week because we hadn't heard anything about tickets. We haven't heard anything about undercard, any of that type of stuff. Well, that got announced this week, and uh, they actually have moved it to June 19th. I think this is smart on trailer standpoint. I don't think that it's smart to compete uh, on a couple of reasons. One, I don't really understand the whole point of having the fight down in Miami there was talks beforehand and we're actually going to talk to uh their head of boxing Peter Kahn this week on the morning show uh I think he's coming on uh Wednesday I think Peter's coming on and you know Peter's a Peter's a friend of mine and has been on this show a couple of times but now he has this new position as the head of uh boxing on Triller so I'm curious to see you know what went the decision of not only wanting to move the fight but when I, I heard him a little bit back, he said that this was going to be a closed setting, much like it was with Jake Paul Ben Askren, and there wasn't going to be fans. Now fans are going to be able to go. And I think that's a smart thing to do. I think it's an, you have the the great community there in Little Havana. It's a monster fight. You have two really, really uh, entertaining fighters. Um, I was talking with another friend of mine at the Floyd Mayweather thing about George, and people are saying, well, they, they don't know who this guy Cam Boses is and all this type of stuff. I'm telling you, they need to get George out there and, and doing some talking and doing some talk shows because George is charismatic, man. George is, George is good on social media. George can sell a fight. Um, I think it's important. I think they should get these guys in a lot of public settings to to get that public beef brewing because I think they can get a lot of hype behind their fights. I, I really, really do. But it is interesting, this whole UFC thriller dynamic that's kind of going on because I think Dana was kind of like okay with it. Now, the Jake Paul thing, is he at this point where he actually wants to work with Jake Paul? Um, Does he want Jake Paul to come in and do boxing? Does he want Jake Paul to get his ass kicked by a UFC guy? Jake Paul will put it on blast, so I'm kind of curious to see uh, where this all goes uh, and how much legitimacy there is to it. But um, getting back to the Camboses and and TfM, I think it's smart for those guys, too, because... Yeah, it sucks for them that they had the date first, and that Floyd and Logan kind of just went and took it all over. But you know what it's going to be, especially when that footage runs. I think that they maybe could have got away with it if the whole Jake Paul brawl doesn't happen, because you're like, ah, it's a fake fight. There's no hot now. There's obvious heat behind it. They're going to play that clip a million times. Um, you just, you know, you just got snuffed out. So not only do you put it a couple weeks back, you don't put it on a competing weekend and now even, you know, some fans can come to the building. So uh, I think tickets go on sale for that on the 20th this week. So you guys can be on the lookout for that to see, uh, when that's all going down, but, um, pretty exciting stuff that that's, uh, we're getting another, uh, we're getting a championship fight down here. Been the best part of the pandemic for sure. Is that, uh, We've been getting a lot more action down here. Speaking of local, check out next week. You got uh, on Bellator Valerie Laredo. She's gonna be fighting uh, on the prelims. So uh, Miami Zone's gonna be on uh, some action on Showtime. Um, I don't know. You know, you know, it might be on the uh, the YouTube page if it's a prelim fight. Cyborg's on the uh, the main card, and you got Austin Vanderford, um, Paige Van Zandt's husband. He's gonna be on the card as well. So. Let's go about Bellator next week is some local ties. I saw Danny Sabatello, who trains at American Top Team, he just uh, announced on his Instagram that he signed with uh, Bellator, and I think he, he's on the prelims as well. So, a lot of local ties coming up next week on Bellator. If you want to check that, and then one other cool local story, I saw this week that uh, Tyson Fury's been down here. He's been uh, in Miami with uh, training with his brother over at Warriors Boxing Gym, which is uh, which is a nice little facility that they're that they're building over there. Uh, cause it's, you know, the last time I was there, they were still building it out as, uh, my God, Jesse Robinson was showing me, but uh, I said, there was some footage of, uh, of Nick Diaz was, uh, was moving around with Tyson Fury. So that was kind of cool. We saw Nick, uh, Nick and Tyson Fury doing some move around. Still don't have a fight, uh, with Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury. It seemed like, uh, we were going to get something official this week, but it's going to be in Saudi Arabia apparently sometime in August, but nothing is finalized as of yet. So I don't know, man. We'll keep you posted on that one and see uh, see what's what. But that's our show for this week, everybody. Hope you uh, enjoy the fights, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you.